Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Dean Mackin on today's news talk radio, TNT. And you know what day it is? And you can tell if you look in the mirror by the look on your own face, that smile that goes from ear to ear. TGIF, thank God. It's Friday. I love it. I know you do too. I hope you've got a terrific weekend planned, as do I hope Chris Smith has a wonderful weekend planned. He certainly deserves a terrific show today. He'll be back here on Monday, of course. And then for those who missed the show, you can go to the episodes page on the TNTradio.live website, and you can check that out whenever you like from wherever you happen to be. It's absolutely phenomenal that we can do that. And I have to admit, I personally am enjoying this new video format immensely. For those of you who have not yet checked it out, who are still just listening, uh, get, again, go to the episodes page and you can go to the uh, YouTube live stream and you can even scroll back typically about 12 hours. So if you get home a little bit late and you go, I miss Chris's show, for example, you can just wind it back a little bit and pick up where he started at about the... 4 p 3 p.m. I should say, New South Wales time or 2 p.m. up in Queensland, I believe is the case. Lots to talk about today, including I will be talking to Senator Malcolm Roberts in about uh, 15 minutes time. I'll also be talking to Matilda Borden, who's absolutely terrific and somebody who uh, advocates uh, very, very well for family uh, law, for human rights and uh, kids and things like that. We'll be chatting with her a bit later. Electric buses, I'll try not to laugh, you know, how I do when I talk about the Marvel Disney saga, because I really enjoy when they fail, as I do electric buses. And the only people taking them up who are not government are people who got government subsidies. And I would imagine that is exactly what happened to uh, Metro down in Tasmania. Uh, their new buses, their electric buses, have been taken off the road until further notice after their, and this is their trial, <laughs> their, I couldn't help myself, their trial ran into teething issues. They don't have any teeth. They've got false teeth. They have no teeth. They are gummy bears if you will, these these buses that they don't have any teeth. And they are saying they have software issues or you think they would have been sorted out. Seems like they've really rushed this whole thing just a little bit. There's a terrific video going around on social media and I will find it on the weekend and I will play it for you next week. And it, it goes and he, he does the numbers when it comes to these fast charging stations, alluding to the fact that you could pull up to one of these charging stations, but the fast ones who are kilowatts of power, we're talking kilowatts of power, if you had five vehicles, and these numbers are approximate, I'll get the exact numbers when I play the video, but from memory, if you had five vehicles charging at the top rate, those five vehicles would be using about as much power at that one time as about 230 to 240 houses. And that's just five vehicles on fast charge. So can you imagine, can you imagine if everybody went and switched to an electric vehicle. Forget the, you know, in 10 years, it'll be worth nothing because I'll have to get a new battery. Could be up to $50,000, depending on the brand. And there's no market for resale. I can't palm my car off like the old Commodore that I've had for 20 years, you know, for $4,000 to a 16-year-old uh, or 17-year-old P-plater. I can't do that anymore. So hit these electric buses down in Tasmania. <laughs> already off the road with teething issues after just the trial period. Not after, during, I should say, the trial period. It really is absolutely horrific, is it not? Now, a 10 executive has been having some dramas 
getting their 10 app to work on their smart TV. Now, I would argue that if you worked at Channel 10, probably the last network on the planet you would want to watch is Channel 10, unless you're, you've got a mate that works there. And let's face it, they are all mates. They're all buddy, buddy, pally, pally chaps. And uh, they only seem to employ their mates, people who have the same sort of left-wing, left-wing opinion, yes, as them. But apparently this person had dramas getting the app to work on their smart TV, this Channel 10 executive. But that's very convenient. It's really convenient. I'll tell you why. Because now, because it's so difficult, a Senate committee is hearing from TV networks and streaming companies on whether platforms should be forced, I hope you're sitting down, to give priority to Australian channels. Wow. Well, no, that's not how it works. They have a thing, it's called an algorithm, and it works on demand. Nobody wants to watch Australian bloody channels, especially Australian, um, uh, well, commercial channels. They just don't want to. They're tuning out in great numbers. They only have electronic devices because they couldn't get what they wanted for free through a terrestrial antenna, whether that be digital, they phased out analog, that's gone. But uh, here's this, this character who absolutely is uh, pushing forward that... Uh, uh, Beverly McGarvey is her name, Chief Content Officer and Vice President. And Beverly, you should be ashamed of yourself if you are the content officer, if you are the person in charge of content at Channel 10, because you have no ratings, nobody's watching, because your content is absolute shite. It's rubbish. Nobody cares. Everyone's tuned out. You go to your advertisers. Would you like to come and spend some money on our network? We'll show you some percentages. Don't show them the percentages, Beverly. And I hope they're asking you for the actual numbers, probably in the dozens of people watching. And you've just, it just shows you off are, uh, are just dreadful. You are the worst commercial network in Australia. Um, and Paramount, I mean, who I think owns you, should just sell it. In fact, sell it at fire sale fire sale prices, sell it to Clive Palmer. He'll buy it. He'll employ a bunch of credible, terrific people, get some wonderful content on there, and people will actually start to watch. And then you'll find you won't have any problem, Beverly, finding the Channel 10 app on a smart TV because the algorithm will push it up to the top because organically people will want to watch it. I don't know if that's ever occurred to you, Beverly. And Beverly, I would also suggest the fact that you couldn't find your own your own station, and it's not that difficult, and, and I do this for a living during the day. I go out and do uh, computer-related on-site things and whatnot, and quite often I'll have a uh, an elderly person who has some difficulty, and I'll go out there and organise this. It's not very difficult. It's extremely easy. And if you can't do that, that explains the poor content that you provide as a content director at Channel 10. So the mystery's been solved. You could be Beverly McGarvey the weakest link, and off you go. Bye-bye. But yes, it's an algorithm. Nobody wants to watch mainstream Australian TV channels. It's why they have a smart device so they can choose what they want. They've probably got YouTube on, and they're probably watching the TNT radio live stream. They're certainly not watching the project or anything that you provide. Beverly, off you go. Bye-bye. Okay, why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all of the major social platforms, including Facebook, X, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. You can help us to get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here at TNT. Getting straight to the facts. Enough with the lies. We need facts. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Oh, yes, we've both done it. And uh, yes, and we, we would probably not go and admit it, but we have to, don't we, Gemma? 
We worked at commercial radio and TV stations and they are absolute bigots. They don't like you doing anything that they don't want you to do. And I, for one, am very happy to have commercial radio in my rear view mirror. What about you, Jim? Well, I never worked for commercial, actually. I did work for a, a, a commercial um You're newspaper. the BBC, but yeah, the BBC, it's not commercial, so I... it's big, it's huge, it's mainstream, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I work for the state broadcaster. And it's so funny, again, when you're talking about Channel 10 there, exactly the same thing is happening in the UK. I was, I was looking at a story just before I came on air this morning, and it's not breaking news, but it's the results of a survey that's been carried out uh, about amongst younger people, and they've completely turned away from the BBC in their droves, in their thousands, um, because they say the channel, and this is young people, uh, so, uh, too woke, not relevant at all. Uh, we're never, we've never watched it. It's always been YouTube or streaming, and we have no plans to change. But also that older demographic, that's been shifting away now from the BBC, I think, for the last uh, four years. But there's a survey out, survey out just today, just today, uh, that proves exactly what you're saying, uh, that people are just looking at the legacy media and thinking, none of this applies to me because it's all narrative controlled. Every single bit is narrative controlled or agenda controlled. And people are like, we just don't want to watch. Um, and the BBC has said, oh, no, we're still the most trusted broadcaster. Well, you might be in your own world, but nobody's watching. Nobody's <laughs> hey, watching. <laughs> hey, Gemma, that's one thing where Australia evolved very differently to the UK because our ABC, whilst we fund it, um, I don't know many people that watch it or who have ever watched it. As a child, I watched it because between 5 and 6 p.m., when we had the news on or 6.30 p.m. as a child, the only uh, channel that had kids programs on back when I was about 10 or 11 was the ABC, where you could watch Monkey Magic and you could watch Doctor Who. I hated Monkey Magic. I loved Doctor Who. And that's what we would do. And that's the only time I've ever really watched the ABC. But over where you are, the BBC is it. It's the big deal, yeah? It was. It was. It's uh, the same as you, though. When I was a kid with a some similar age, I watched the, all the kids' programs. I and mean, it's right before the news. The kids' programs used to be on. Well, they still are, I'm sure. Uh, right before the news. It's a way of hooking the younger generation in. You know, you get them watching exactly those same programs. But I can't believe you hated Monkey Magic. I used to look forward to that with absolute <laughs> delight. Oh, my God. Monkey Magic was amazing. I might go and look at a few old episodes on uh, on YouTube after this. Um, but uh, it, 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 it was a, it's a strange thing. That hour, that five to six. All the young kids will be watching it. And then just at the point where that you've got hearts and minds, you bam, you bam them with the news. You tell them what's going on in the world in your version of what's going on in the world. And you've got kids hooked. So that's a very clever piece of programming. And there's the key word programming uh but people now just just are just doing their own thing they're curating their own versions of narratives we're part of that and we're doing very well here at tnt successfully showing people that there is another way to approach news you know you, you give it over to the guests you give it over to the specialists who invite on for comment it's not about the hosts or the station's ethos necessarily it's about the platform we provide for free speech uh who who would have thought it hey um but yeah the way it used to operate as this great monolith um, those days are well gone uh, and, and governments around the world are running scared. You know, Justin Trudeau has only just recently said he's blaming, you know, the demise of confidence in government on the rise of, yeah. of social journalism, citizen journalism, because they can't control narratives anymore. Good. I would say good. It's a very wonderful time to be alive in terms of journalism, freedom. Look at Assange trial this week. Things are shifting in the in the broadcast landscape. That is absolutely for sure. And your story illustrates that, too. And Gemma, just quickly, you just reminded me we we're talking about when we were kids and the programs we used to watch and in the afternoon, as soon as you get home from school, there would be all that wonderful kids programming. And now it's absolute codswallop. It is absolute trash. 
when I got home from school, we had shows like the Curiosity Show that introduced kids to things like science and um, and art and just wonderful. It was very educational. We had shows like It's Academic. We had a professor, Julius Sumner Miller, who was a real eccentric character and he's the guy that would do science experiments you know and you know light a, a flame inside a, a milk bottle and the egg would get sucked in things like that and he had a very funny way of speaking we all loved you know professor julia sumner miller you would be educated as you watched tv likewise the kids are watching TikTok now it's absolute just rubbish that's on there but in china who are very much um in touch with how kids should be um you know treated their TikTok shows a massive amount of educational things to kids. In fact, it is enforced on there. So while the kids in Australia are using a Chinese TikTok platform to watch rubbish, the Chinese kids in China are being educated on TikTok. What a crazy world that we live in. Well, you know, that's the way that's the way though. you can curate it. You can use these platforms for whatever ends you want. It is a shame that so many young kids are addicted to all this, what I would call absolute digital garbage. It does have a proven effect on brain development, um, but it can be used for slightly more positive aims. I mean, I don't think personally, it's a Friday, let's have a bit of a free for all. But I don't think personally that uh, staring at a screen is the sum total of all human potential and how we should be spending our lives. But it's ironic that I'm saying that while I'm appearing on a screen with you on the other side of the world. So, you know, we're using it for for um, our particular ends, but I can assure you that it's Friday. And once the screen goes off today, once I finish broadcasting at TNT, it will not go back on uh, until I start work again. I, I use it for work. Um, the rest of the time I'm out in nature. I live in a beautiful part of the world. But a lot of people, you know, they, they want to look at nature now through a screen. They want to look at images of the world through a screen. I mean, that's up to them. It's free will. But uh, I don't think it's what 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 the cre creator of us intended uh, when, when he made the world, if you want to get really deep on a Friday, which I know I'm not supposed to do. But, you know, there we are. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love it. I love it when you go deep. Now, uh, we've only got about two and a half minutes. Uh, what have you got for us today, Jim? Well, it's a positive note. Um, uh, there's been, I don't know if you're aware of the huge um, European drug, uh, a boat smuggling uh, ring that was smashed uh, earlier this week. A thousand European officers uh, raided properties across Germany uh, and arrested 15 people who were um, uh, operating these illegal um, people smuggling rings coming in on small boats uh, into Britain and France. Off the back of that, Britain is now signing a new deal that's been announced today with the EU border agency Frontex, which was one of the leading operation uh, information gatherers in this uh, massive uh, people smuggling ring that was smashed on Wednesday in Germany. Uh, officials are coming over to sign this agreement. The uh, European Home Affairs Commissioner is coming to London to sign this uh, with, uh, with uh, Home Office officials. And this whole agency will strengthen ties of intelligence and technology uh, and information gathering between us and France and the rest of the EU, but especially France, because our coastlines obviously are completely interlinked when it comes to the small boats coming over. And it's the latest in a series of arrangements uh, that kind of were, were reached and agreed last year in Paris to boost cooperation between uh, England and Britain and France. And it does follow this huge, 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 massive Europol operation on Wednesday, uh, which was one and a half years in the planning, involved a thousand officers from the UK, France and Germany, but did see 15 people arrested in an attempt, you know, a really kind of stringent attempt to stop these small boats coming in uh, across the channel. So we'll see. We'll see if it has any effect. It's a kind of positive news story to end the week on. Let's see what happens. Some could argue 24, uh, well, in this country, 24, in your country, possibly 35 years too late, but better late than never when they try and get these borders under control in any way, shape or form, because our countries are, you know, 
veritable basket cases as a result of um, changes that have happened over the last few decades. And I think our kids and our grandkids will be paying a, a very high price for all of that and our inaction. Uh, Gemma Cooper, I thank you very much. And of course, you'll be back from Sonia Poulton next hour. I hope you have a terrific weekend, Jim, and we'll uh, catch you on Monday. Have a great weekend, Dean. See you, my friend. Uh, Senator Malcolm Roberts coming up after the break. Stick around. Here, this is TNT. TNT's Timothy Shea. Oh, it was a great day. The ratios, the ratios. John Kennedy, Senator John Kennedy, who we thought was MAGA, who we thought was America first, who still continues to make all the right noises. Then he, he does the wrong things. And the last straw was him voting with the 22 turncoats to send more tens of billions of dollars to Ukraine. Ukraine doesn't need any more money. Ukraine doesn't need any more of our support. We're the problem in Ukraine. The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk TNT. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are opportunity zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. The Net Zero Con will leave millions of citizens dependent on state handouts. It isn't a theory. It's an agenda. There is no climate emergency. On air 24-7. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And welcome back to the program. And of course, you know, the media is supposed to be unbiased, but we all have our favourites. And uh, whether that be which side of politics you like or which politicians you like. I have favourites and I've got one of mine on right now, Senator Malcolm Roberts. He's the elected senator in Queensland for the uh, one, Pauline Hanson's One Nation, uh, one of the best fellas ever. And I was watching a video of on his X.com site with uh, Professor, uh, Associate Professor Pierre Corey. And I remember being this lone guy in the media in back in 2020 who was trying to, who felt worried, who was worried about what was happening. And I needed voices. I couldn't just be me. I needed voices. And there was only three voices who I remembered. One was Associate Professor Pierre Corey, and the other yeah. two were Craig Kelly and this man, Senator Malcolm Roberts, who were absolutely all over it from day one. Welcome to the program. And I thank you for your service, Senator Malcolm Roberts. Thank you very much, Dean. Thank you for having me. And it's a pleasure to be here, mate. And uh, we've got to keep up the independent radio. Independent oh, media is what it's all about, truth and freedom. Absolutely. Mate, I want to talk to you about tax tax changes. I want to talk to you about fixing bracket creep, and I cannot help but make this joke. Maybe we should be fixing the creeps who uh, who, who, who run the, <laughs> this, this racket rather than brackets. But, mate, where do we start on that? Well, 
The government has, has made what it calls uh, tax cuts, but it's rubbish. They haven't even made changes. They've left things as they are. Now, Brax Brax bracket creep is a is a stealth tax. It's a it's the both major parties, the Labor Party and Liberal Party, when they're in government, take huge advantage of this. And what it means is that so the brackets are fixed, right? So the the brackets are eighteen zero to eighteen thousand, roughly eighteen thousand to forty five thousand, forty five thousand one hundred and twenty, and you pay different rates of tax between those brackets. So that's what we mean by a bracket. So brackets are fixed. But inflation means that what happens is your wage goes up over time. You, do, you don't get any more wealthy because your groceries and your other expenses all go up too. So you're basically staying afloat. So as your wage goes up, you enter a higher tax bracket, you pay a higher tax rate. That's all bracket creep is. Now, what we're do going to do is we're going to remove that. And so we will index the, the tax bracket. So that means as inflation goes and your wage goes up, so will the bracket. So you'll stay in that bracket. So at the moment, if you're if you're in uh, earning less than eighteen thousand dollars, just say you're earning just less than eighteen thousand dollars, you're paying no tax. But because of inflation, you'll get a higher wage and you'll start paying nineteen cents in the dollar. If you're currently earning one hundred and twenty to one hundred eighty thousand, once you get to one hundred and eighty with inflation you will go into the tax bracket where you're paying almost half your half your extra income in tax. So what happens is the government's quietly pocket that. What we've worked out is over the next four years, um, it'll be costing taxpayers around $38 billion total. Wow. Bracket creep. Now, that's no one talks about it. But what we're going to do is introduce an amendment when the next financial bill comes along and, and institute, if it's successful, institute uh, indexation of the brackets so that the brackets move up and so you stay within the bracket you're currently in. I, I love that you're doing that. It's just weird. It reminds me of some politicians who were in the Labor Party back when the Labor Party was fair income. They stayed constant. The party shifted off to the left and they were no longer in that party, which in this case is the bracket and the brackets yep. moves. But there you are no better off than you ever were. In fact, now you're worse off because you're now in a different bracket. And that's probably an, an easy way of explaining that. But mate, it's it's terrific that that One Nation is addressing that because they just hope you don't notice, don't they? Yes, they do. And there are so many things, so many things happened. You know, before I got into into the Senate, uh, Dean, I used to visit some MPs in the lower house, trying to persuade them about the climate change or the climate fraud, as I call it. And there were a number of very, very good uh, MPs in the lower house. At that time, the Liberal Party had had uh, half a dozen or so who strong sceptics. And the majority of the party in the, in the Liberal Party and the National Party were undoubtedly sceptics. They didn't believe the crap. But bit by bit, they've been replaced and they've got now woke people in there. Uh, but anyway, there's still some sceptics, but they don't speak up so much. But anyway, what I noticed was that the members of parliament, genuine in their belief, were just frantic. I remember Craig Kelly, who's a wonderful man, shoveling cereal into his face to, to match, the, you know, literally um, to, to just in a hurry to get into the into the parliament. And he didn't stop. He, stopped, he worked all day, a lot of the night. Uh, and so many people are like that. They just couldn't make headway because they're churning and, spin and spinning their wheels on the spot. So um, that's what that's what Parliament's like. I, I say to people, Parliament is like swimming in treacle. It's very, very hard to get ahead and do something because this, the forces there are conspiring to, to push a certain agenda. So these things, people like Craig Kelly, decent people, see them. 
they start addressing them, but then they just get swamped and the party pulls them over. And next thing you know, Craig in the Liberal Party was in the minority, yet he was in the majority at the start because they changed the party. So there's so many things conspiring to keep things hidden. It is. And hey, all the good people, you know, there used to be some good people in the major parties. They're getting squeezed out one by one. I was having a look at what was happening, I think, down in, in Tasmania, where there was um, a particular Dr. Julie Sladden, I think it is. Oh, uh, wonderful. Yeah, she wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person. And there she is in the Liberal Party. And there are people, you know, I would suggest prompted by Big Pharma suggesting that uh, it, she it, it is untenable for them, I think, was the words they used for her to be within their party. How dare they? tell any party who and what is untenable. I think the people decide that when they go to the ballot box. I thought that's how it worked. Yeah, that's supposed that's supposed to be how it works. But she, she's not a, in the parliament. She's just a member of the party. And, and, uh, and she's an honest, strong, highly intelligent, very well-spoken person and speaks her mind. And for that, they want to crucify her and toss her out of the party. Ridiculous. Yeah, ab absolutely. And the whole thing, you know, with pre-selection and, you know, who's not going to be around next time because you haven't, you know, followed the party line, literally. Um, it's very, very sad. The e-safety commissioner, so something I don't think we even need. I think, uh, you know, anything that's not <laughs> tangible, that's not real, it's not physical, uh, I, I think is just some people being a little bit too soft, unless it comes to children. When it comes to children, I think they need to be protected online. But as adults, I think we should learn to stand up on our own, you know, have a bit of backbone. But, mate, the e-safety commissioner... Where do, you, where do you want to start? <laughs> well, the, I'll, I'll take up what you just said. Uh, we don't need an e-safety commissioner. We need police. Simply to do it. That's all we need uh, to protect children and to, and to protect adults. But she went to the World Economic Forum in Davos. I've forgotten what the title is, the World Global Conference or whatever she called it. Um, but we know what WEF, what the WEF does. You know, we'd like to tell them to go and get WEF. But uh, <laughs> yes. what, what happened, she, she went there and she was – her fees were all, her fares were all paid, plus another member of staff she took with her. Uh, she wants to go and look at the what she called the global instigators, um, and then she went to the European Union, another bastion of of democracy, you know, the European Union, um, and uh, and then she went to visit the tech companies. Presumably, she means uh, Instagram, Facebook, etc., yes. Google. Um, but the taxpayers paid for it, and and get this, she came up with a. I'll read from it here. Global Online Safety Registration, Registrar. She's formed that with the United Kingdom. She, she's got an American accent or Canadian accent. So she's not Australian. United Kingdom, Ireland, Fiji, and good old Australia are forming the, the Global Online Safety uh, Registration, um, and they're trying to expand it. So they'll make sure that they have global online safety regulations. What to, could possibly go wrong? <laughs> what could go wrong he says yeah and, 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 you know keep going you know, it just reminds me of I me mean, like things happening online that we couldn't have imagined what's happening over in ireland if you've got a meme on your phone that they don't approve of off to jail over in <laughs> france now if you advocate and suggest despite an abundance of data that mrna technology and gene therapy may not be good for people off to jail or 45,000 euros, we have gone mad. The world has gone utterly insane. Well, the next thing you know, if this madness continues, they'll be calling carbon dioxide a pollutant. You know, <laughs> carbon dioxide, it's a minuscule trace gas. It's less, it's about 0.04% of the Earth's atmosphere. If it got too much lower, we'd be in strife. The trees would start dying. It's plant food. It's essential for all life on the Earth. And, you know, we don't even control the level in the atmosphere. 
and, and you're exhaling, you take in carbon dioxide, you take in air at 0.04% and you exhale it at 4 to 5%. You're a pollutant, mate. You're a polluter. <laughs> you know what? I'd, I'd love to build a big dome, put all those who advocate against common sense in that dome, we'll adjust those levels to the levels that they advocate for and we'll just leave them there for a couple of generations and uh, maybe we'll, yeah. Uh, I don't think it'll pan out too well for them. Everybody, I'm with the one, the only Senator Malcolm Roberts. We'll be back after these short news headlines. The conversation continues. You guys are awful positive today for what we're witnessing. It's that division that they want to push. Now, TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. The world's fourth largest cell phone network suffered a nationwide outage in the US on Thursday, sparking fears the telco may have fallen victim to a cyber attack. China's told the World Court that international law grants Palestinians the right to use whatever force necessary to defend themselves against Israeli occupation. And the US is back on the moon after successfully landing its first spacecraft on the lunar surface in over half a century. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. And a man who is not just the man I would advocate should be prime minister of this country one day. Uh, he doesn't just help out Aussies, he helps everyone around the world. In fact, uh, 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 a mate of mine, uh, uh, Senator Malcolm Roberts, rang me up the other day. He goes, I've got someone that you really need to talk to. And he he does a conference call. And of course, it's someone that I've, I've spoken to and the two of them have hooked up. This is a, a terrific fellow from New Zealand who you all know that I interviewed on Monday. And, um, you know, he, he's helping everybody and people are seeking out the assistance of Senator Malcolm Roberts from One Nation because he really is just a terrific fella. Uh, now, I didn't have enough time. I was going to get my kid off during the break because I because I can't afford a 4% carbon tax on clothing. So I'm just, you know, I'm just going to advocate for let's everyone just get around in the raw from this point. Uh, that must be what they're going for, Malcolm, because this is ludicrous. Yeah, well, they're saying that the that, that clothes, we'll have to cut back on the amount of clothes we buy, the amount of clothes that we wash. We'll have to take longer to wear the clothes before we wash them. I mean, this is a question I asked in the Senate. I, I spoke about in the Senate a couple of weeks ago. They want to limit and control how often you wash your clothes so that they'll last longer, so that you go a week. If you wear daily items, you go a week, you wear them for seven days before you can wash it. That's what they're talking about. <laughs> go on, just burst out <laughs> laughing. I won't hold it against you. Uh, I'm serious, though. You know, know. And again, we should be telling them to go and get weft. The World Economic Forum is trying to control every aspect of our life. Um, so Ten Tanya is talking now, and she's serious about introducing a 4% tax on clothing. She says it's on the fashion industry, but she means all clothing, literally all clothing, because she said the fashion industry produces 10% of all of humanity's carbon dioxide emissions and is the second largest consumer of the world's water supply. You know, wow. these... These are keeping people in work in poor countries. And in our country, the people in the lowest r rates of income are in the retail sector generally, as well as, as well as some in hospitality and some in aged care. But the retail sector, the Labor Party is trying to do its own people out of work. We'll, and they, they want to limit the, the weight of clothing we can buy, the a number of articles of clothing, mate. So if I think they want to limit it eventually to about three. So take your pick. I'll, I'll get a pair of undies. Um, <laughs> if, if you want a handkerchief, you're in trouble, aren't you? Oh, you mate, you certainly are. You can't make this stuff up. I mean, you referenced the retail sector. And I mean, I I don't do, you know, our 
Well, I, I do. I do some of our shopping, but I like going to the movies, you know, at the big Westfield yep. cinemas. I like wandering around and having a look. And I, but I, I mean, I have to admit, I don't like big crowds. But as if I was a retailer, I would love big crowds because big crowds means more money. There aren't big crowds when you go out shopping anymore. Yeah. There are less people. There are less things on the shelves. Um, they have just completely, over the last four years, done irreversible damage to the retail sector. And everything, has, we haven't recovered from the damage they've done to us over right. the last four years. And, and think about it, as electricity prices are artificially inflated because of the solar and wind and uh, increased transmission costs um, because of scattered transmission, you know, that causes inflation in every aspect of our life, including groceries. So you've got that inflation. What's a 4% tax on clothing going to do? What's a 4% tax on clothing going to do to a family of, say, three children, school age, you have to buy uniforms every year? And the, and the little kids are growing so quickly that sometimes you have to replace the, the clothing within that year. Yep. You know, it's just phenomenal. Four percent tax, and then tell mum how how often she can't wash them, and and, and <laughs> what, what? Oh, it's just insane. It, it is, mate. And you know, it's funny when you, when you think about. I'd love to see a study and some numbers, and I'm sure somebody's done one. You have a look, well, especially around where I live, almost. Two out of three houses would have solar panels on the roof. And most people are at work during the day. There's nobody home. Have a look at how much electricity we're putting through household solar back into the grid. I mean, we're doing pretty darn well. Those people are getting paid a pittance for it. Of course, those using it, industry and whatever, are paying premium rates, one of the highest rates in the world. And here we are. Mate, we're already a pretty green country. We're already punching well above our weight. And as what is it, one third of 1% of the world population, here we are trying to fix the world when we can't do it. And it's all nonsense and there's nothing to fix anyway. It's just... Well, you know, in, in Queensland, Dean, they've got what they call the backstop mechanism. That is something that they've put on. They control it through smart meters. If the grid is, the grid is now very unstable because it doesn't have synchronous power. It doesn't have stable power. It has solar and wind are highly variable. So what they've got to do is, is it's now fragile. So we used to have one of the best grids in the world, if not the best, very stable. Now, because of solar and wind, they, they can control your solar panels feeding into the grid. But get this, if they're worried about the grid stability, they switch off remotely your solar panels, not oh. just to supplying onto the grid, but into your own bloody house. No and, way. And, then, and six times in the last two months, it was yeah, I think it was something, figures like that, 170,000 air conditioners have either been turned down or turned off because of an inability to provide power. We have, along with the Hunter Valley in New South Wales, the world's best cold reserve. They're not as big as America or China or Russia, but per person, we've got more coal than anyone else, the highest quality. We're exporting this stuff, exporting our gas, but we can't use it here, and we've got stability problems with our own air conditioning because of supply problems. You can't make this stuff up. You really can't. Some people in the online chat extremely excited, and they always are when you're on there, one of them saying, uh, Malcolm will be coming to the Kaminya Hotel tomorrow, not far from me here in Esk. Uh, that's from Tim. He's very happy. You're going to be up there tomorrow, yeah? Can I, yeah, can I mention that? Yeah. Pauline's going to be there. I'll be there. Uh, local candidates will be there. And, and that's a launch of some of our policies in One Nation for the state election. So we've got 300, um, what do they call them, RSVPs. So quite a crowd. That's, that's as many as the Labor Party and Liberal Party have at their policy launches. And these are just some of the policies. So that'll be tomorrow at Kaminya Pub in, uh, the, in the seat of Nanango. Mate, I love what you're doing. Uh, you've got a terrific candidate 
candidate up this way. And what they're doing, uh, very much like the Teals, they're having regular meetings, getting people along and having chats. So when the next election comes around, you've already got that that voter base, you've already got that group of people that are going to go out and help you at the elections. I think it's a, a terrific way uh, to do things. And of course, uh, you lot lead, leading the way, uh, One Nation. So, mate, all, all you know, advocate advocating for everything that you do, Malcolm Roberts, and I think you're a terrific fella. And, mate, I sincerely mean one day I hope Australia is uh, smart enough to get it to the point where you are the guy running this ship uh, because, mate, we have lost our way at sea, and uh, I think people like you are the only chance that we've got. So, Senator Malcolm Roberts, I applaud you, and, mate, thanks again for coming on the program. Thank you, mate, and keep up the independent media. We've got to have the truth getting out there. Thanks, I hope you, hope you have a terrific weekend. And, uh, of course, everyone, I'll just mention that again. The Kuminya, C-O-O-M-I-N-Y-A Hotel tomorrow. Pauline's going to be there. Malcolm, a whole bunch of people, they're going to be releasing their policies uh, for the upcoming Queensland election. And please, whatever you do, make sure you write One Nation uh, down when you, when you do that, because otherwise Queensland will be a basket case. Thank you, Senator Malcolm Roberts. And we'll be back after this break. We're going to be talking to Matilda Bolden here at TNT. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Remember Adriana on The Sopranos? Here's how we last saw her. He's a strong kid, Chrissy. He's tough. Well, she got whacked, but last week, actress Drea DeMatteo was with Megyn Kelly, and the self-proclaimed liberal had some harsh words for those of her political ilk. I really do think that the left is way more um, just angry. And this is supposed to be the hippies and the, you know, the people that really do care about equality and inclusivity. And then all of a sudden they are the ones shutting everything down, shutting everyone out, condemning freedom of speech, condemning everything. And she went after her Sopranos on-screen lover, Michael Imperiali. He was condemning some stuff on his Instagram feed that I noticed and um, like ivermectin. Mm. I thought that was, I thought that was irresponsible. Last year, Imperiali posted on Instagram that he's gonna make sure nobody who's a homophobe or a bigot ever watches The Sopranos or any of his work. The left is loony. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. It's been said that when someone you love has Parkinson's, you have Parkinson's. The truth is, Parkinson's disease doesn't just affect the diagnosed. It affects everyone who supports and helps care for them. Worldwide, over 10 million people are living with Parkinson's, a neurological disease that affects movement. And with so many places to search for information, it can be difficult to know where to begin. The Parkinson's Foundation has answers. Answers for everyone in the fight. We can help you understand the disease, help you find expert care, give you tips for living a better life, share the latest research, help you find local support, and there's a free helpline you can call. Find your answers and join us in the fight against Parkinson's. To learn more, please go to parkinson.org or call 1-800-4PD-INFO. The Parkinson's Foundation. Better lives together. Talking about issues and coming up with solutions. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And going off in the online chat always does, especially when you get to a terrific guest such as Senator Malcolm Roberts. Coal is only for China and India. 
you know, that Malcolm writes Autone records. Yes, true, but he'd certainly like us to be using a hell of a lot more of it, as I know most of you would. Uh, and of course, Lou writes, thank you, Malcolm. You're a legend. He absolutely is a legend and absolutely probably my favourite politician in Australia, uh, bar none. And I think that's fair to say. Uh, TNT, we're a global independent uh, news station that does what others only say that they do. Uh, TNT is a live radio and TV broadcaster that simply tells the truth. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No one in the world does what we do here. We crisscross the globe, providing credible news and opinion all day and night. In two and a half years, TNT has become a credible and exciting platform with brilliant hosts and staff. It's a critical time, and we must continue to call out the misinformation and propaganda from the mainstream media and their powerful sponsors, and boy, do they have some. Uh, we're now appealing to our many friends and supporters around the world to get to the TNTradio.live website to make a small donation via that particular page on the website so we can find the right investors to continue our important mission. And the other thing that I would implore you to do is tell more people about TNT and get Get them up being a part of it, listening, tuning in, watching every day. Just very, very quickly, um, if you think you got it bad with the Ulers cameras, cameras over in Dublin, they're now advocating that they don't want any traffic coming into the city. Less traffic, more bike paths, more bus lanes. But you can't go in there. You cannot drive in your own country. But they're happy to bring out thousands and thousands and thousands more people, despite the fact there's not enough room, apparently, for you to drive in your own cities. Make of that what you will. The world has gone mad. It literally has. Well, we've gone mad because we tolerate it. It's our fault because we've copped it for too long. And we as a group continue to make dreadful, dreadful decisions at the ballot box. Uh, I'm going to make a good decision because I've got a terrific guest. and I'm going to advocate that you pay attention while I read out her bio. Her name's Matilda Borden. Uh, she's a forensic social worker, uh, uh, former national secretary of the Whistleblowers Australia. I love that. Uh, she's also the founding me me member of Community Linkages, Inclusion and Innovation Centre. She has extensive experience specialising in complex and compounding psychosocial barriers, including child protection, homelessness, poverty, hoarding, squalor and disabilities. And she's a wonderful person to boot. Matilda Borden, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm very grateful. I, I, I loved having you on again. Um, it's absolutely terrific. Now, we want to talk about today, you know, family guardianship. And I hear horrific stories about this all the time. Back, especially when I used to do, um, you know, talk national talk back radio, people would ring me up. Some of the stuff was so bad, you know, because, you know, we could have been sued. I wasn't even allowed to, to let it go to air. And, but I believed every word that I heard. And these were very genuine, sincere people with very real problems. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, literally, these people, um, we're talking about the so-called protected person, protected from what exactly? Who's protecting yeah. them from the uh, human rights abuses carried out by the state? You know, who's protecting them from uh, paying out of their meagre income uh, $550, $600, uh, you know, a week in rent instead of $300, $350, what you and I would pay? You yeah. know, who's protecting them from that? Absolutely uh, no one. And the state collects 4% on those assets that, uh, you know, if they have any assets, but uh, 4%. For sitting there and condemning someone to effectively have their assets squandered. It's know? amazing. You know, anything the Founding. government, you know, touches, it seems to turn to poo, if you will. I mean, they really, the best thing they could do is to sit down and do nothing. And uh, like if they would have done that 40 years ago, Literally. Australia would be like it was back in 1984. Mate, if you and I were managing those assets like that, whether it's in the capacity of an NDIS practitioner or a guardian or a carer, 
we would be hauled over the hot coals. We would be yeah. investigated. We would be taken into court. We'd be charged. We'd be incarcerated. We'd be sent bankrupt. But yep. the state can do it. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> wow. And you just got to follow the money and it all makes sense. But until you do that, and you, of course you can't, because if you're a whistleblower, if you're a truth teller, you know, look at Julian Assange, look at look at Snowden. I mean, look at all these people who speak out. Look at the guy yeah. over in New Zealand that released all that, that COVID data that he was paid to gather, but he yeah. was paid to gather it for the government. But of course, because it didn't suit their narrative, the fact that he released it to the public who paid for him to do that, Next thing you know, he's that guy. I mean, over wow. Over and over again, mate. Over and over and over again. <laughs> um, I know what it's like to be on the other end, on the receiving end of that kind of um, ill treatment. Well, we? I was going to say, as somebody, a former <laughs> National Secretary of the Whistleblowers Australia, I mean, who could possibly know better here <laughs> than you? I mean, you would have probably, you'd be following very closely what's happening with, uh, of course, Mr. Julian Assange over in, in the UK. And we've been Absolutely. following that. We've had live reports, you know, all week. It's been. It's shocking, isn't it? Um, yeah, I did watch that documentary and it's um, horrid, horrid to imagine what's going on with him uh, and so many others, you know, unfortunately, you know, um, how do you deal with um, an institution that's gone rogue? You know? Well, the worst thing is, I mean, we say it's horrid. <clears throat> and if that was to end, let's just say, you, you know, the US prosecutor said, you know what, we, we're going to drop all charges. It's all over. You can just walk out. It's all over, done. What he's gone through already is a hundred times more horrific than it ever should have been for what he did. The and problem if he is. Out, it won't be done, though. That's yeah, they're just getting started. That's right. It's just exactly. getting started to go That's to that right. next level, which will take it to a whole new level of horror. And as we're seeing with, you know, these trumped up, you know, and I, yes, excuse the pun, trumped up charges with Donald Trump, they'll make up anything, anything totally. to, to you know, to get their way. They're even trying the, the Russia hoax uh, second time around, third time around now, isn't it? They're, yeah. they're all afresh, yep. Same players, same names, rinse and repeat, because there will still be some people out there that will believe it. You know? I, I love what Tucker Carlson did. I mean, he showed people how <laughs> level-headed this this guy, this evil man is, you know, and people are like, gee, why don't we have a leader like that, one who advocates for their own group and puts exactly. their own group first exactly. and, and is prepared to pay whatever price to do that, and he's serious and they can defend themselves. I'm jealous. I'm, I'm jealous, we're, if I'm honest, of what they've got, got over in Russia. We've got leaders here that have sold us out to the, you know, um, <laughs> To the World Economic Forum, United Nations, you know, any number of other, uh, you know, Five Eyes uh, communities out there, you know, tracking, surveilling us every which way from Sunday. And yet um, here we are pointing the finger at Putin. Hello? <laughs> well, did, did you see those? <clears throat> did you see the other interviews Hackers. where he's gone shopping and, they, oh, this is going to be 400 bucks? was $100. Yeah. He goes down into a subway, right? Have a look at our subways covered in filth and graffiti, That's and nice. it looks like the world's nicest art museum, and everyone's well-dressed and everyone gets along. There's no people laying in the street in their own in their own excrement. I mean, it is just a brilliant place. Everything yeah. about it's nice. The West and all their sanctions, oh, well, you can't have our McDonald's, you can't have our IKEA. They changed <laughs> the name, and not only is it better than ever, you're not going to get any GMO food when you go to their version of McDonald's. Let's go. Let's go through their drive-through. It's terrific. It oh, really I is. I agree. I know. It's crackers, isn't it? The world is upside down. Yeah, it is. Anyway, that's getting back to what we we're going to talk about. Sorry for hijacking you, but you're terrific. And, and I know you can do all this. So I went there. Um, now, under this family guardianship, just so people get some perspective, give us a couple of horror stories just to put, you know, so people know what we're Maybe talking a about. 
Okay. <laughs> How many minutes have I got? Um, look, the horror stories are just endless. I mean, you know, in, in 30 years of working in the in the industry, whether it's around disabilities, homelessness, poverty, child protection, whatever, I've only come across a, a relatively, in the overall scheme of things, small number of guardianship cases. But lately, uh, in the last maybe 12 months, I have been deluged, and I mean deluged, by... Um, these sorts of things. I mean, just a couple of days ago, I had a client with the adult safeguard guarding unit knocking on his door, um, wanting entry. They present um, a business card with uh, aging well as allegedly this uh, department or unit. No phone number, no name. The the um, enduring power of attorney and the carer didn't actually even catch the name of the two women. Uh, there was nothing to identify them. And then after they left, he, he was thinking, oh, geez, now um, who actually visited? Oh, I can't remember. Oh, I'll look up at the business card. Nothing on the business card. So there's no one to, to you know, this is literally East German Stasi police secret chamber. They're, they're a shop front for the deep state, I think, here in South Australia because they're untouchable and cannot be held accountable. Our Office of Public Integrity and our Ombudsman are an absolute joke at best. And to give you an example, I had a mother whose son was taken away from her about three years ago, quote, from the Office of Public Advocate, quote, because there was an opportunity to do so. She goes to the Ombudsman, goes to the Office of Public Integrity and shows the travesty of how this, this young man was taken out of her care the moment he turned 18, allegedly because there was family conflict. But um, she had been his carer all his life, and this is a severely autistic, non-verbal young man. Office of Public Integrity Ombudsman do absolutely nothing, basically blow her off. She wins in court in the Supreme Court with three judges. Now, you, how, how, do you have any idea how many obstacles and hurdles she had to jump to even satisfy one judge on that bench, let alone three, and yet the Office of Integrity and Ombudsman did nothing and blew her off? Wow. Right? It's astounding. She produced documentation, photographs. She produced whatever they needed. I mean, I've done the same sort of thing, you know, with the Office of Public Integrity. You can whistle Dixie with that, right? Yeah. Well, you know, we're living in a time <clears throat> where we have laws and, you know, part of the law reads, and the truth is no defence. I mean, <laughs> when, you, when you live in that world, I mean, you know, you, you referenced East Germany and as bad as it may have been back in the day, I would I would say, you know, because they're suffering the same fate, if you will, as we are here in Australia and all the other Western Western nations. Um, I mean, if I was living in East Germany now, I'd be getting some bricks in a trowel and start putting that bloody wall back up. I yeah, mean, the world's right. just gone nuts. I know. I mean, like, you know, today I was dealing with uh, a young lady uh, whose father had a severe stroke. He's virtually non-verbal, non struggle, struggles to move, um, you know, pretty severely um, disabled now. Um, and she was his enduring power of attorney uh, legitimately. Um, however, the moment the stroke happened, uh, she was forced into the SACAT to be recognised as his guardian and carer. She had to um, effectively, I guess, demonstrate her good character and good intentions to look after the father, despite the enduring power of attorney and other documents, ACD, Advanced Care Directive. And um, it appears that at the SACAT, the South Australian Civil and Administrative Tribunal, the father did actually verbalise and express his desire for the daughter to take over the guardianship and administration for him. Now, he happens to have over $500,000 sitting 
in an account to be able to purchase a small little house, uh, you know, even if it was a granny flat or something comfortable for his daughter, her two children and himself to live. Now, he's got an NDIS budget that is probably pushing $100,000 on the taxpayer's purse. She could look after him if they had that house for next to nothing. She could go on a carer's pension. She does work part-time. She could work full-time. She could juggle all of those things and still meet his needs. Um, and she is the sole beneficiary of his um, assets. You know, it, it, well, we expect she's the only child. And yet uh, the FACAT said to her that she couldn't spend that kind of money on a home for him, for them to live in together. Wow. Yeah, exactly right. Can you can you get the picture? Oh, and right oh, now, I, I, I see it all the time. Out yeah. Nearly nine hundred dollars a fortnight, I think it is, uh, for his current accommodation, and yet that could be spent on their family's asset and living pretty much largely off the taxpayer's purse because we wouldn't be paying this kind of money on NDIS services because she would be his carer. She's not allowed to do it because she would be, quote, the beneficiary. Now, where the so-called vulnerable person and the carer's interests align, and look, I don't know about you, uh, but, you know, I've got kids. I would hate to think that my assets would be squandered and the state could take 4% of whatever I've got, but my kids will get nothing by the time the state is through. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I I really worry, getting slightly off topic, that this Labor government will ever, you know, introduce some sort of death tax, you know, because you work hard and you want to know that the day that I, I go to meet my maker, it's all going to my son, you know, and, and to think that the state would get half of that would, I, I would come back from the grave and haunt them but, but forever. But you know what, if the state was going to care for me, I would be a little less alarmed because I would think, okay, my needs would be met, but I can't yeah. have, not only can I have no confidence, I would absolutely have no confidence seeing what I'm seeing now. I'm seeing how people are abused and neglected in so-called state care. God forbid. I mean, we've got people rotting away on their own, no social activity, no one to knock on their door, no one to check in on them, to give them a cup of coffee, to say, hey, how are you? Eating microwave meals because they've been cut off from Every man and his dog in their in their circle in their life because of the guardianship orders, right? Yep. So they're now a protected person. So if they have anything to complain about to someone else, that someone else can't tell anyone else at all. They yeah. can't go to the media. They can't tell a doctor. The doctor has no one to complain to. We've got two doctors now who have lodged formal complaints about the abuse of an elderly woman who is uh, partially under guardianship. Um, her son was accused of allegedly um, misusing her finances and a variety of other things by his sister, who incidentally lives interstate, doesn't even live here. He was caring for his mum and his father. In the five months that she's been out of her home, she's been put in private hospitals. She's been sick. Now, the, the son kept her out of hospital for most of a year and in good health with two GPs checking on her regularly with a medication regime that she specifically asked for in her advanced care directives. It's all crystal clear and in myriads, like volumes of emails and correspondences between her and her son about what her wishes were. All of that ignored. A new GP appointed. She's put in hospital with a husband now. So it's not only the wife, it's the wife, husband and wife. Both removed out of the house. The house has started to be cleaned out with plans of supposedly private rental when they own their house outright, what do you reckon the private rental is? Oh, yeah. Other than well, nursing home, we, right? we just know the answer, don't we? Five you know, months. I, 
And nobody has even asked her opinion about what she wants for herself. Matilda, I could talk to you all day. I think you're absolutely phenomenal. But the time, the clock waits for nobody. Matilda Borden, thank you for coming on the program. I could see as calm as you were, you know, the infuriation and the frustration behind your eyes that you have to deal with every day. And still you go on and still you advocate and do wonderful work for these people. And I thank you on their behalf and everyone listening and watching. Thank you. That's Matilda Borden, everyone. She's terrific. And I hope your weekend is equally as terrific. We've got Sonia Fulton coming up next. Abby Roberts after that. Here at TNT, my name's Dean Mackin. I'll catch you on Monday. Have the best weekend ever. I'll see you then.